Morning, morning. 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 It's so good to be together, isn't it? Just as you're uh, finishing your conversations, do grab a Bible and flick to Ephesians 3. That's where we're going to be this morning. It's page 1174 in your Bibles. And just stick a, stick a finger in there and we'll be back there in just a second. So for those who don't know me, my name's Nathaniel and uh, um, along with my wife Emma, we lead the site here at 502. So it's great to see you with us. Uh, and if it is your first time or if I've not met you yet, then do come and say hello at the end because I would love to speak to you. Now, as a church, this term, we're looking at the subject of prayer. And we're believing that God is calling us to more and to, to pray more, to see God impacting our lives more through prayer. And we put a 50 days of prayer challenge in place to try and get into one another's homes and pray consistently over the next 10 weeks over our church and over our town and over the things that we believe God's called us to. So I hope you're having fun in going to those. If you haven't been to one yet, there's still another six weeks, so plenty of chance to get along and do some praying. Uh, they've been brilliant. And as a, alongside our, our midweek prayer groups, we've been looking at prayers in the Bible and taking different prayers from the Bible and letting them shape how and why we pray as Christians. There's a chap called Don Carson. This is him. And I'm sure you've heard of him before. But he said, we learn by modeling. In our praying, if we wish to renovate our praying, then we can do no better than examining thoughtfully and humbly the prayers in Scripture, and we'll learn to pray. So if you want to learn to pray better, then have a look at the prayers in Scripture. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing this morning. So today we're in Ephesians looking at Paul's supercharged prayer for the church in Ephesus as we look at the power of the Spirit in prayer. So hopefully you've got your Bibles on. Ephesians 3, we're going to start in verse 14. And it says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Wow. Now there's a passage of scripture to get excited about. When I read something like that, I can't help but get excited. We can say amen along with Paul to that prayer, can't we? So before we do anything else, let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your, your word. I thank you that we can open your word and understand the truth that's written within and that it can help us to, to pray better prayers. I pray that our hearts would be open to grasp the depths of what's being spoken about this morning. I pray that your spirit would be at work, even as I'm talking, to reveal and convict and to plunge the depths of our hearts to reveal the love that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Right. <laughs> so the first thing we've got to deal with when we come up to a passage like this is the first three words, which are, for this reason. 
Somebody once said that whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, it's good to find out what the therefore is there for. Otherwise, it would be like me standing up this morning and saying, good morning, church. In conclusion, we should all be better people. Amen. (laughs) You don't know why I'm calling you to be better people, right? We need to understand what, what is the reason that Paul's praying this prayer for. If Paul's praying for a reason, it's good to know what that reason is. To understand the reason, we need to understand how Paul writes letters. Now, Paul, the apostle, wrote a number of letters to churches in this period. And if you have a look at the pattern of these letters, they all follow a similar pattern. Paul starts off in the first two uh, chapters of his verses, normally talking about the importance of faith in Jesus, talking about the excellence of Christ and what he's done for us before moving on to specific instructions for the church that he's writing to. So if you open up the letter to the Galatians, the letter to the Ephesians, the letter to the Philippians, you'll notice the pattern continues. Paul starts painting this big picture. This is Jesus. This is the one that we worship. Therefore, this is what I'm telling you to do as a church. And that's what Ephesians is doing here. So we get to this page, we get to this these three uh, words, for this reason. And what we need to understand is in chapter three here, Paul has already outlined what our faith is in Jesus. So if you flick back a couple of pages in your Bible, flick to the start of Ephesians, and as I'm talking, just have a, a quick read through, have a quick scan yourself. Just look at the headings and some of the phrases. It says things like, we've got every spiritual blessing in Christ. We're chosen by God. We're adopted as sons and daughters. When you believed, you were marked out with the Holy Spirit. We were dead, deserving of wrath, but because of God, we're made alive through Christ. It's God's gift to us. We're members of God's household. God has a marvelous plan for us, and he brings it all together through his church. That's chapter 1 and 2 of Ephesians there. So we get to chapter 3, and Paul says, for this reason, he's talking about the amazing faith that we have through Jesus Christ, our adoption as sons and daughters into the family of God, the plan that God has for us and the plan that God has to establish a church for generations and generations. For that reason, Paul prays. Do you see the strength from which Paul prays? What an example for us as to how to pray. If you want to know how to pray this morning, start with praise. Start by declaring what God's done and it won't be long before you start praying bigger prayers. Because when we look up to God, when we understand our faith, the depths that Jesus went to save each and every one of us, we're not praying be with prayers anymore. We're praying the transformational prayers that come from knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that's why Paul then goes on to say that he's praying out of the glorious riches. And it's a phrase that Paul has used before. That's Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, there is now a bountiful blessing waiting for those who accept him as their savior. To accept Jesus is to be blessed beyond measure with the infinite resource of God's love and equipping behind us. We've inherited the spiritual riches that were far beyond our grasp and we needed somebody to do it for us and that's Jesus. And these are the glorious riches that Paul's praying from. That means that what Paul's praying, God is more than able to supply. So when Paul says he's praying out of these glorious riches, Paul's expecting this prayer answered in full measure. Why is that? Because we're praying to the one that Paul has spent the last two chapters reminding us of. He's done it. He's won the victory. We are his, gifted with his salvation and added to his family. And if he's done all that, why won't he answer this prayer as well? praying out of those glorious riches. 
So let's get into the meat of what Paul's praying. There are two power prayers that Paul prays over the church in Ephesians, and we're going to look at them each in turn. See, Paul makes two specific requests for power in, this, in, this, in these verses. Paul prays for power an awful lot, actually. And on three separate occasions in Ephesians alone, you'll hear t- Paul talking and praying for the power of the Spirit. Paul's also clear that it's the Holy Spirit that's the root of that power. Paul talks about the Holy Spirit a lot as well, and he encourages the church to move in spiritual gifts and live lives empowered by the Spirit. Jesus himself tells his disciples that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on them. That's Acts 1 verse 8 for those taking notes. And from the disciples onwards, the New Testament sets an example that the Christian life is walked hand in hand with the Spirit. So Paul prays. Power prayer one. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So what purpose does this prayer have? By this I mean if we're praying for more power in the Spirit, then what purpose are we praying? There seems no biblical mandate to suggest that this power is for selfish gain. It's not to make ourselves bigger at God's expense. We don't receive power in the Spirit for influence beyond our stature at work. It's not like some sort of superpower that means we've got extraordinary abilities Rather, as with most things, Paul seems more concerned about the hearts of the Ephesians that he's praying for. He wants to see the church in Ephesus thrive as those in it reach spiritual maturity. So why do we need the Spirit? So that we fully grasp who Jesus is, so that we might better understand who we are in him. And that's something that's actually been underlined for me quite a lot through this preaching series so far. God's far more concerned with transforming transforming our hearts than he is with our be with prayers. So when we're praying, be with this person and be with that person, well, we know he already is with them. Actually, what we should be praying for is a transformation of people's hearts. And that's what we're seeing here in Paul's prayer about the, the church in Ephesus. He wants to see a transformation of their hearts towards God's plans and purposes for them. And that's why he's praying for power. John Calvin says of this passage, For the word of God is not received by faith as if it flits about in the top of the brain, but when it takes root in the depth of the heart. The Spirit's work in us is primarily a reorientation of our own hearts towards the plans and purposes of God, experiencing the love of Christ through the Spirit as we grasp his life-altering gift of salvation for us. That's what we're talking about. So Emma and I moved house about five years ago. And if you've uh, been to our house, which I know a number of you have, then you'll see that it's very much a work in progress. Uh, We had our 50 days of prayer recently, and we actually had to cordon off one of the rooms because it was full of paint pots and ladders and everything else as we're trying to work through the house to put our own stamp on it, to make it look like the sort of house that we would like to live in, you know? And that's, and that's the sort of thing that you do, isn't it? When you move house, you think about what color you want the walls and what color you want the carpet. Do you want the wallpaper? Does this wall need to be here? You know, all those sorts of things. Because you want to make your house yours. You want to put your mark on it, your style on it. You want it to be easy for you to live in it. And it's taken us a little bit longer than we thought we had. <laughs> But when you walk into our house one day, hopefully you'll get a sense of our tastes and our likes and our skills, the things that we're good at. Hopefully there'll be pictures that our children have drawn on the wall and pictures of the family adorning the place as well. When you move into a house, you make it your own and your house begins to reflect who you are. 
And I want to suggest to you this morning that's also true of the Holy Spirit in us. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, we become a dwelling place for the Spirit. It actually says that in 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? So when the Spirit moves in, we should expect him to make himself at home, to change the wallpaper. Our desires, our understanding about Jesus, it should all change as the Spirit works in us to reorient our desires in line with God. As our homes reflect who we are, our hearts should reflect who Jesus is. Okay? You turn down again a bit, Paul. So when Paul prays for the Ephesians for more power, what form is it primarily in? It's for a continued work in our own hearts that we might know our faith in Christ all the more and that it would be at the root of our very being. This is a reshaping of our hearts. In this sense, this prayer is life-transforming. As we pray for the Spirit's power, we should expect our hearts and our desires and our actions and our words to change along with it. Don't Don't mishear what I'm saying. This is a dangerous prayer to pray. Don't pray for more of the Spirit's power unless you're ready to take on the consequence which is a reshaping of your heart towards God's plans and purposes. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. To pray for power in this regard is to pray for a closeness of relationship with Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus' sacrifice isn't just words on a page, something that we can read and understand in our heads, but it's something that we feel indwelt in us, not an impersonal force, but a personal relationship we get to experience and enjoy day after day. I wonder if you feel that way, if you've ever felt that way, ever felt, experienced God's love in that way, in your heart. Emma and I went to university in Manchester. I actually went to Salford, and my student houses were really something to behold. They were (laughs) awful, as most student houses are. And uh, they were untidy at the best of times, but also they could be a little bit dangerous. And one time I walked into my house, and uh, there was like a funny kind of patch on the top of the ceiling in the, in the living room. And I realized that the shower upstairs had developed a leak, and it was leaking through, through the ceiling, down onto the television and onto the plug, the power plug, that, uh, that, w- that the television uh, and, the, and the DVD player were plugged into. So immediately alarm bells rang, and I thought, oh, this is really dangerous. Uh, you know, water and electricity don't mix. I know that. I know what I'll do. I'll unplug it so that nobody else gets hurt. So, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hands and knees, down I get, crawl under. The second I touch that plug, bang! A jolt of electricity right through. I've still got a scar in here where I did it. It threw me right back across the room. The surge of power. (laughs) Uh, Don't do it. That's point two. Don't do that. but here's, here's the thing. Actually, in times of prayer, when I've called out to God, I've felt God's power inside of me. Not a painful, powerful pr- uh, force, like a force of electricity running through me, but no less powerful and overwhelming in love and comfort. And actually, for those of us who know God, you'll have experienced that sense of just knowing God's love and comfort and empowering in your life. And if you haven't, then I want to pray for you this morning that you would. 
if you've never felt God's love in that way, then the Spirit is here to commune with you this morning, that you might know and feel and experience relationship with Jesus. That's a prayer worth praying. I'm going to pray again. Lord, we want to know more of your power, to know your love and walk in step with you as you change our hearts to your desire for this world and for the places that you put us in. Amen. So we move on to our power prayer too. It's going to come up on the screen behind in a minute. So Paul goes on to then grasp how much Christ loves us. His prayer already makes clear that we should know Christ's love, but his second powerful prayer is that we might truly grasp its significance for our lives. Now, there's a very famous analogy that goes, on, goes along with this, and it's all to do with honey. Here's some honey, locally sourced, I hope you'll notice. Now, uh, who can tell me what honey is like? Sweet. It's sweet. Yeah, it's sweet. What else? Golden, see-through, sticky. Yeah, we all know honey. We've all tasted honey. Perhaps if you were a scientist in the room this morning, you might even be able to tell me the makeup of honey. You might be able to tell me the molecules and the, the, you know, the chemicals that go into making honey. But I ask you, after I take a spoonful, it's always a bad idea to eat during a preach. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Now, which one of us in this moment, knows most about honey. Those of you who have theorized about it, who have tasted and experienced it before, or me with the taste of it still going around my mouth. Mm. <laughs> Let me read Paul's power prayer number two. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Matt recommended a couple of books as a part of our preaching series and I've been reading this one by Tim Keller. It's really, really good, really easy and accessible. So if you're looking for... uh, reading tips, then this is one. And in this book, Tim Keller says this, it's one thing to know the love of Christ and to say, I know he did all that, but it's another thing to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. What Paul is talking about is the difference between having something be true of you in principle and fully appropriating it, using it and living it in your inner being and in your heart. In other words, it's like the honey The only way you'll really know what that honey is like is when you put it in your mouth and you taste and you experience it. Paul wants us to be filled with the full measure of love that God has for us in Jesus. So Paul's second power prayer is that we would experience the love of Christ, that we wouldn't just know it in our heads, we wouldn't just know what honey is like, it's a bit sticky and it's a bit sweet, but that we would feel it, we'd feel it in its depths and experience its heights, something that's beyond our understanding, that we might know it to be true, not in our heads, but in our hearts, to have it at our very core and draw strength and security and assuredness from it. God's love is wide enough to atone for any sin committed. It's deep enough to plunge the depths of poor physical and mental health and bring healing. It's long enough to be patient with the stubbornest of hearts and high enough to penetrate the tallest wall put up by a person's heart. It's all-encompassing, immeasurable, vast, and complete. 
as I said earlier, have you ever had an experience of God's love that's so undeniably powerful that it changes you? For me, growing up in church, I always knew that I was a Christian. You know, I always believed we went to school. I sat in Sunday school like our kids are this morning and learned about the Bible and learned about my faith and learned about Jesus. But I remember the first time I was baptized in the Spirit. I so clearly felt God's love that day that in that moment, and honestly, I was six years old, and in that moment, I knew that whatever was going to happen in my life and wherever I go, I could never deny God's existence because I'd felt him. And there have been years since where I've been, felt like I've been pulled and stretched by the world, made poor decisions, sinned, where I've been tempted to walk away and pursue my own desire. But I haven't, and honestly, primarily the reason for that is because having felt God's love, I have never, ever been able to deny that God is real. And it's by his grace that I'm in front of you this morning. And if you know what I'm talking about, if you felt God's love in that way, then pause a moment and think about it. Think about a time where you felt the love of God. Remember what it is to feel and know God like that, the creator of the universe personally loving you. How powerful is that? How special is that? And if you don't know that experience of love, then I want to pray for you this morning that you'd know and experience the fullness of God's love for you. Because when you do, life will not be the same again. That's what we're talking about. These are life-transforming, heart-transforming power prayers this morning. You see, if we truly grasp the significance of God's love for us and personally wanting to relate to us through his Son and the Holy Spirit, then it changes the way that you view everything else in your life. You can be secure in the knowledge that God loves you, that no matter what else happens in your life, God is on your side. We should draw strength and hope and confidence in that as Christians. It should shape us and change us. Uh, Again, a Tim Keller analogy from his book. He likens it to someone who inherits a large fortune and becomes rich overnight. It would change the way that you did everything, wouldn't it? If you were poor and became rich, you wouldn't still live as though you were poor. You'd begin to take on that new identity. You might buy some new threads and look nice, you know, some smart shoes. You'd eat better food. You'd take care of yourself. You might, you know, try and get rid of some of this by hiring a personal trainer. And you'd look and you'd feel good and life would be good. And you'd buy a bigger house than that car you've always wanted. You'd begin to take on that new identity because something would have been gifted to you to allow you to do it. Well, my friends, we've inherited spiritual riches beyond all measure. We should be different. And if we aren't, if we're slipping back into old habits and holding on to sin and acting with a lack of faith, then we need the transforming power of the Spirit to help us grasp the spiritual riches that are now ours in Jesus. Our lives should be different in light of who we are in Jesus. The Holy Spirit's changed the wallpaper. It's time for us to start acting like we know God is real and loves us. It should also cause us to be bolder in prayer. Part of the 50 Days of Prayer series that we're going through is helping to teach us to pray fewer be with prayers and more life-transforming prayers through the power of spirit at work when we pray. You see, we can pray and our prayers can be drawn from the glorious riches of God's resource. And we're praying life-altering, circumstance-changing prayers with faith 
that we pr- the, because we know that we're praying to the one who can do it. Why can he do it? Because he's done it for us already. We're sat here, stood here this morning because of God's grace and transforming power in our lives. So when we pray, let's pray he does it again. Why? Because we know he can do it. I mean, how many of us, you know, regularly pray prayers like that? We can pray for finance, pray for jobs, pray for the growth of the church and expect that God can and will break in. We can pray for the big prayers we've written in our books. I've written a couple in here, look, I'll show you later. But we can pray for these big prayers and have faith that God hears and has the power and authority to do it in his name. Amen. My hope is that these 50 days of prayer will act as a catalyst for our prayer lives and give us a richer pool of prayers that we can draw from. How many of us are regularly praying prayers like these, that we might know more of the Spirit's power to help grasp our salvation, that we might develop God's heart for the people around us, that the Spirit would act in power to transform lives and circumstances? These are bold, dangerous, adventurous prayers we should be praying, but we should be praying them. We need to have more faith that these Spirit-inspired prayers will be answered. And if you want to know why, then let's read the next bit of this morning's passage, because Paul tells us. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We're praying to the one who could do more than we could ask or imagine, both for the glory of Jesus and for the glory of the church. Matthew Henry, who has a glorious uh, hairline, there he is, (laughs) says this, there is an inexhaustible fullness of grace and mercy in God, which the prayers of the saints can never draw dry. There is an inexhaustible fullness of grace and mercy in God, which the prayer of you and me can never run dry. It's important to note because the church is God's plan for the world. And it's his will that this church, that the church, the global church, is established on earth until his kingdom comes again. So when we pray big prayers over the church, we're praying to God's will. When we're praying that Jesus will be glorified, that people will receive salvation, and that Jesus' name would be lifted high, we're praying to God's will. So the Spirit inspires us to pray bigger prayers and to see hearts changed in his name. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? See, we, we should be If we've inherited spiritual riches beyond all measure, we should be different. And if we are slipping into old habits and holding on to sin and lacking faith, we need the transforming power of the Spirit to help us grasp these spiritual riches. We do. We need it. On our own, we're too small to see change happen in our town. We're just 70-odd people sat here this morning, maybe. But with the power of the eternal King of Heaven on our side, nothing is impossible. Our small prayers get lifted by the Spirit and turned into life-altering petitions that God, in all his fullness, can answer. So the Spirit inspires us to pray bigger prayers, to see our hearts change to his will, 
for the glory of Jesus and the church. And this is how God would have us pray. I've said this already this morning, but at the front of our 50 days of prayer books, we get to write our big prayers. And I've written a couple down. But one of them speaks to this morning's preach specifically. Because I'm praying that God will grow us here at 502, both spiritually and numerically in this next season. I'm praying that God grows us spiritually. As Paul prays for the church in Ephesus here, I want to pray that over us as well. That we might know God more, understand the saving power of Jesus and the power of the Spirit at work in our lives. Let's pray that over one another. Let's pray that over 502. Let's pray that over Gateway Church and over the church across our conurbation. We want spiritually mature Christians who are unashamed about their faith and willing to pray adventurous prayers to see God's kingdom established in our town. And if God's kingdom is being established, if we're being bold in our faith, and if God is building his church, then I'm also praying for numerical growth as well. I'm not praying for numerical growth because it makes me look good or it's nice to feel full and have some friends when we come in on a Sunday morning. I'm praying because I believe the church is God's plan for this world and I believe the church is God's plan for Parkstone and Poole and Bournemouth and beyond. And if it is, we should be expecting to see this uh, congregation grow. We should be expecting to see people come in to experience and know God's love, to be added along, uh, into God's kingdom and to be worshipping alongside us. If we're being bold in our faith and if God's building his church, we should see numerical growth. Pray with me that we'd see people added to our number. Not so that we can boast, but so that God's church can be on the move. So that we can give glory to God and see souls won for his name. Let's pray that prayer. These are the transformational prayers that we can pray. Let's be with and more. Lord, transform our hearts and transform this town. So we've got lots to respond to here this morning. The first one I want to suggest as a way of response is that we can respond personally. As we come back into worship, why not ask a friend here this morning to pray this prayer over you, that you might know the Spirit's power as you go about your life, that you might have faith that God can do immeasurable things through your prayers and change your desires to do amazing things through you. Pray that you might have a better understanding of who God is of what Jesus has done for you, and that the Spirit would begin to shape and change your heart. It's a big prayer to pray, but a life-defining one if you pray it and you mean it. We're actually going to make some people available at the end as well, uh, or as we continue in worship, over here and at the back. And if you want to be prayed for, I honestly believe God's calling us to experience more of his Spirit this morning that we might be changed, our desires might be changed more to his purposes, and that we might be on a mission in this time. You may also want to respond by asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to experience God's love. Again, it's a bold prayer to pray, but a number of us are ready and excited to pray for people that that we'd see this happen this morning. So please respond by asking someone to be filled with the Spirit. If earlier, as I was saying, I remember that time where I was filled with the Spirit and I can't deny that God exists. You've never had that moment. I'm saying this morning, come and be prayed for. Come and experience God's love for you this morning. And we can also respond corporately together that God would grow this church and that we'd see a fresh outpouring of his Spirit, more of the Spirit at work in our lives and in our church as he grows and establishes us.
and we can pray those big prayers over our church and over our town as well. I want to end by praying together. I'm going to get you on your feet. John, you can get ready. There's a prayer coming up behind us. Let's pray it together. (coughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Spirit who you have now poured out on your church. Spirit of God, would you fill me anew and help me to see the fullness to which I've been called. King Jesus, thank you that you dwell in me by the work of the Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the example that we get of how to pray this morning, that Paul prays for power, that we might know you more and understand you more and experience you more so that our hearts would be changed and so that the places that you've put us would be changed for your kingdom's plans and purposes as well. Lord, these are big prayers to pray, but help us to be bold in praying them because we want to see ourselves transformed. You've already done a massive work in our lives by saving us. There is absolutely nothing we could have done to save ourselves, but you made a way through your son Jesus to save us and add us to your kingdom and add us to your family. And Lord, it's that same power that we can pray to for change of circumstance and change of hearts. It's that same power that we can pray to to say, Lord, would you do a mighty work in this church and a mighty work in this town? And Lord, it's that same power that we can pray to when we're struggling. And when we just need to experience your love, to know that you love us, to know those glorious riches that Paul prays from, to know the reason that he's praying such inspirational, bold, declaration prayers, because he knows who he is in you. And I pray that your spirit would minister to us this morning, that we might know it too, the full measure of God. I pray it over us now in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Would you come by your mighty power? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come enjoy. Enjoy the goodness of God. He's here to bless. He's here to bring power for a purpose.